Nana was singing this morning. It's good stuff. Sure, I'm thankful for that. And then uh, Tyrell being up here, just so just awesome to see. It is awesome to see. Thanks, Brother Z. I'm very very thankful for that. Seeing the Kadzi kids up here makes my heart happy every stinking time. So thankful for that. Just uh, man, it's a blessing to get to be a part of it and to rejoice in the. In the goodness of God. How many of you are tired? Anybody feeling it? Yep. Um, uh, I understand how you, uh, I understand how you feel right now. It's, it's the Lord's day and uh, it's good for us to have this mindset. There are six days in a week that we can give to other things and I'm thankful that we can dedicate today to him and to his work, and and I want to express this again. I am so thankful for the way you handled yourselves with uh, Stephen's family. I'm not surprised by it, and uh, I am thankful for the kind of people that you are, and just appreciate you continuing to be Christ-like in the way that you love one another and that you minister to one another. And the nature, the nature of life, is that this isn't the last difficulty that we're going to have to face as a church family. More, more are going to come in different ways at different times through different families. We shouldn't live in fear of that. It's just the reality of it. But every time we seek the Lord and we love him, he gives us everything that we need for those moments. And, and then if I can encourage you with this, you know it already. Um, but just, just because the service is over and in some ways there's been a maybe a congregational um, relief in some ways because, okay, we're, we're done with this and we don't have to, we don't, you know, we can celebrate his life and move on. Miss Tina's got to deal with this every day. And, and so just don't forget to pray and, and don't forget to encourage her and talk to her. Um, I had just one of our guests, I think it was last Sunday, maybe a couple of Sundays ago, I uh, met a, a lady, and she just shared with me, walked up to me, and we just started talking and trying to get to know her and got her name, and she, she shared with me how after uh, five or six decades of marriage, her husband went home to be with the Lord, and that was about four years ago, and just a smile on her face, a confident countenance, but she said, it's still hard, it's still hard, and you don't, you don't ever lose that. It is, it is hard, and so don't, don't forget about that. Keep, keep praying, keep supporting, and keep loving. And then um, I, I want to thank Brother Max for this moment of inspiration, man. I do agree that I think what we're going to do is we're going to set up a camera right here pointed at Miss Joanna and Miss Angela. And, and I love how Miss Joe is rolling her eyes at me right now. Which absolutely phases me none at all. <laughs> and, or we could just have the kids sing here and we could watch them. They could sit in these new amazing chairs and we could just, we could just watch them. I think that's a brilliant idea, Brother Max. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, uh, the last half of this past week, Andrew and I were at a marriage retreat. Thank you for praying for that. Um, I heard that the services here were fantastic. Brother Chad preached and just did a great job, and we appreciate his friendship and the friendship with South Valley Baptist Church. And then just thank you for praying for the Lord's help uh, there. God certainly did. It, it seemed like the Lord blessed, and so I don't, I don't know how to measure those things, but it, it seemed like the Word of God was effective in, 
and helpful to people, so I'm thankful for that. And, and then today, Brother Fiavai is preaching in Gooding, Idaho, just helping another church family out there. And that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a blessing. And I'm thankful for a lot of different people that have the ability to minister in other places. And uh, we want to be generous with the gifts that God has given us. And the greatest gift that he's given us outside of himself are the people. And don't ever forget that. Got what God cares about most are, is the people. I had a really, I had a really exciting meeting um, in between the, the memorial service and the start of this service and, and I'm just excited at the appropriate time to share it with you. But at, at the heart of it all, I don't ever want us to forget this. What God cares about most are people. He cares about these little kids, and he cares about these less than little kids, and he cares about these teens, and he cares about these teen boys and teen girls, and he cares about these single adults and these married families and these middle-aged families and these less young families. Wherever you're at in that spectrum... Your people, and he cares about you, and so don't, please don't forget about that. It's so good. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, with Brother Rod in mind, and and I've done this before. I, you may be picking up on this pattern. If you're not, that's okay. But I want, I want to make sure that we capture lessons from different people that God brings into our family, and that we don't forget them. And I, I just, I'm, this isn't sad. It's sad. Emotion isn't isn't always sad. I just I'm looking right where Pastor Cook used to sit. Looking at Elena. Uh, think about Miss Gina Ann over here. I was going over some notes today and thinking about Brother Steve Lawson. And I mean, he just had such a hard time talking and just was really limited in his movement. And yet he was he was here and he could hold a candy bag out. Looking back there and just thinking today, man, I'm gonna. I'm going to miss seeing Brother Rod. There I was cracking up. <laughs> Brother Dave, I'm cracking up. Leather vest and sweatpants. <laughs> and that's true. If you never approached him, a leather vest and sweatpants and these basically rawhide gloves like he worked out on a, like he worked out on a ranch and Man, just I, and then I was cracking up that he was born in Cuba because he has such a dark complexion, and so just all these things. And and yet I love I love what was what was articulated that there is more to people than meets the eye. There's depth and quality there that you don't ever know about unless you try to get to know people. And so I, I appreciate what was said. I want to ask you earnestly. I, I had to apologize like eight times this morning, guests that have started coming, and, and I'm, I'm tired of having to do this. I just, you can pray for me if you want to. I'm trying to remember everybody's name, and I'm just, I'm struggling with it, and I'm just, I'm apologizing to them again. Look, look, I, I know you. I, I ran up to a young lady sitting over here today, and I said, I feel like I've asked you your name. I just cannot remember it, and I'm, and I'm sorry, and I understand that can be awkward, but getting to know people is worth it. And for this, for this to be successful, this isn't whining. For this to be successful, I can't be the only one doing it. And, and, it, and it's, not about, it's not about making this successful. It's about being obedient to him and loving the people that he sends our way. Look, it's a gift. Anytime anybody walks through these doors. I'm just, I'm so thankful for it, just so full Today, so grateful that I get to be a part of, of your lives, and 
And I'm going to miss Brother Rod. I'm going to miss different things that were shared today, but I think it, it's appropriate when we have opportunity to, to remember some things about him. And, and this isn't going to be the same thing that we talked about this afternoon. So do, do this for me. Find Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. And then, it, and then if you would just mark that. Hebrews 12, and then could you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll look, we'll look there at, at some point in the, in the message, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. All right, if you have your place, let's stand to honor God's word as we read it. Very f- familiar passage, perhaps, 2 Corinthians 12. I just want to set the stage because in the beginning, Paul is explaining significant ways in which God has revealed himself to him and used him. He says in verse 1, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven. Look, we just read over stuff like this. Paul was given insight into what lies beyond in a way that we are not. I mean, you read in Revelation how John the Apostle was given insight and told not to write everything that he saw. I'm just, I'm telling you, we've got to get this in our heads. I know we're living here, but we've got to remember this. It will help us here that whatever it is like there, it is infinitely better than your mind can comprehend. If God is good enough to come here and do what he did for us, whatever is next, what we don't know and what questions we do have, it can only be infinitely better than we can comprehend. I get it. We can be, we can be scared. We can be afraid. You have, this, you have this fear on the unknown, but it's not unknown because we know him. And knowing his character in this life, what comes in that life can only be infinitely better than we can comprehend. It's a good thought. So Paul is saying, I, I saw some things. In verse 3, I, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, <laughs> which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Okay, he was caught up into paradise. That's not a bad place. <laughs> That's a good place. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself will I not glory, but in mine infirmities. So he's given access to understand some things that are coming, but then in this present life he has infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. If you remember in the book of Acts, later on, second half, Paul is traveling in the uh, the, he's on, they're, they're shipwrecked, 
and he's preaching the gospel in this pagan island, and he reaches into the, or he's casting wood into the fire, and a viper comes out and bites him, and the, the, all of the natives assume that he's wicked, and they just wait for him to die, but then he doesn't die, and they begin to worship him, and he declares to them essentially this, I'm not a god, I'm a man that has trusted in Jesus Christ, and he's saying that again here, look, don't think of me in a way that you shouldn't, I'm just a man saved by the grace of God. And then he says in verse 7, and yet though I know that, there, there is a propensity to be exalted above what I should be. And lest I should be exalted in my own mind above measure through the abundance of the revelations, meaning God let me see, God let me know things that he has not revealed to most believers at this point, but he's allowed me to see these things. But the tendency is to think higher of myself than I should. And so to help me remain humble, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Only the thought is this, the title is this, A Legacy Like Rod. Legacy Like Rod. You can take it to another level, A Legacy Like Paul. But this is all within our grasp, not the visions, because that's a specific thing for a specific purpose, but the grace. A Legacy Like Rod. Father, we're full, we're thankful, there's a lot of mixed emotions and God, I know there's a lot of other things going on, and so I ask that you'd help us to pay attention and to lock in, to stay awake and alert and aware for just a few more minutes, God, that you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. The word legacy is defined, and I didn't actually understand this word as I was studying for this, but it's defined as, a legacy is defined as a gift, primarily a monetary gift or some type of building or something, a recurring donation, a scholarship, but something that is passed on in someone's honor for a specific purpose. But it doesn't have to be financial. It doesn't have to be monetary. It doesn't have to be material. In fact, there, there is a way to pass on a legacy that can actually be far more valuable than money. The guys are going to put a picture up on the screen, and uh, I want you to look at it for a moment. And the man's name, when it comes up, this is a man that you may recognize, you may remember if you've done any reading about the last several decades, a man by the name of Terry Fox. He was actually born on my birthday just several decades before, July 28, 1958. In 1976, he was in a car accident and he injured his knee, but then he continued to have uh, knee pain in his right knee and it, and it kept bothering him, but he was a very active athlete, did a lot of different things, and so he didn't want to have it checked out until after the basketball season. 
So then after the basketball season, he finally goes to, to the doctor and finds out that he has a unique type of cancer in his knee. And soon after, his leg was amputated, but he was walking within three weeks of that amputation with the help of an artificial leg, which my understanding of that is that that takes a lot of learning and a lot of difficulty and a lot of discipline. It's not something you just hop up and do, but he was determined. He began running again and even learned to play wheelchair basketball in Vancouver. And whatever that Canadian wheelchair league was, he went on to win three national championships. In 1980, he began what was called, what he called the Marathon of Hope. You see, he was passionate about cancer research. And, and man, I'm so thankful for the advances that have been made in, in our day, but there was, and while there is still much that isn't known, there was even more that wasn't known 40, 50, 60 years ago. And so he started this marathon of hope, which in his mind was going to be a cross-country run to, way, to raise awareness and to raise money for cancer research. His, his desire was to run the length of Canada and to raise a dollar for every person that lived in Canada. He wanted, he wanted to raise um, hundreds of millions of dollars. And so he began in April of 1980 to very little fanfare, running the equivalent of a marathon every day. He ran for 143 days and covered 3,339 miles crazy. He would, he would eventually succumb to the cancer. He actually didn't make it all the way across Canada. He died on June 28th, 1981. But that effort and that run inspired what today is known as the Terry Fox Run. It's grown to involve millions of participants in over 60 countries. And as of this year, September of this year, is the world's largest one-day fundraiser for cancer research. Over 850 million have been raised in his name on these one-day events over the last 40 years or so. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying that he was a believer. I don't, I don't know that. I haven't done that much research on, on whether or not he had faith in Jesus Christ. What I do know is this, that he did not live his life, even though it was not as long as he would have wanted, he did not live his life letting the limitations define him. He was not. Whether or not he was saved, I don't know. But he was not defined by his limitation. He was defined by his willingness to push through and to work hard and to make the most of the life that he had. He wasn't defined by bitterness. He wasn't defined by self-pity. He wasn't defined by resentment. Why do they get to keep their legs and they get to keep their legs? Why are they not sick and they are not sick and why has this come to me? He wasn't defined by that self-pity or that resentment. He was defined by making the most of his life regardless of the adversity and regardless of the difficulty. The Apostle Paul, and I just leave that picture up, please, guys. The Apostle Paul 
had, had a severe physical limitation. A lot of people believe that it was his eyes. They, they weren't just, it wasn't just poor eyesight, but that it was, it was near blindness and it was extremely limited. Um, you, can, you can have whatever opinion you want to. We're just told in the text that he was given a thorn in the flesh, some physical limitation that severely hindered him and handicapped him. And in Paul's mind, his thought was this. If I didn't have this limitation, maybe like Terry Fox, if I had both of my legs, if it was his eyes or if it had something to do with the function of his body, if it was some kind of thing that was constantly afflicting him, we don't know. But if I didn't have this affliction, God, then, then I could minister so much more effectively for you. That's what Paul was thinking. Look at the text, verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. No, Paul was all about the ministry. Paul was all about the kingdom of God. Paul was all about seeing people brought to Christ and churches planted all over the place. He was about the ministry so I can hear him wrestling with God and reasoning in his mind, God, if I didn't have this affliction, God, if I didn't have this limitation, God, if I didn't have to go through this, I could do so much more for you. And yet God did not agree. Please get it. He's praying to the one who gave them those visions. The, the, any, all of these heretics today that, that talk about the name it and claim it, godless garbage to where you can just tell God what you want and if you actually have enough faith, he's going to give it to you and the reason you're not healed and the reason your relationship went that way and the reason your kid did that and the reason these bad things happened is because you didn't think the right thoughts and you didn't send in enough money for enough anointed prayer cloths. Those are lies from hell. That is not of God. No, the God, there is a God who gave those visions, and Paul knew, I am praying to the God who has the ability to give these visions. He has the ability to take away my affliction. I have a God that can raise me up. Listen, I stood beside Rod's bed, and like I have done with so many other people, I pray in faith, believing, believing, not just an idea. I genuinely believe that in the moments of his life, that if God wanted to, he could have touched him and raised him up. This is not just a theological textbook. I believe that the God who who is, did the things he says he's done, and is capable of doing amazing things in our day. I have prayed for people in this church where they have seen God work in their lives. I have prayed that as God extended Hezekiah's life, that God would add years to people's lives here. I pray for them. I've prayed for brothers and I've prayed for sisters. I've, I've prayed that God would move because I believe he's able to move. But God doesn't always agree with our assessment of what is actually going to be the most effective. He doesn't explain it. He doesn't tell us why. He just tells us that I have something different for you. Well, what was it? You're looking at this as something that prevents you from being effective. But from God's perspective, this challenge is actually going to serve to make you more effective. You know why? Because it makes you to rely upon my grace. He says in verse number nine, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient, meaning it's enough. Now, brothers and sisters, I get that this is, that, that, that this is hard, but the Lord is actually saying to him, it's okay that you have this. It's okay that you're, you're bearing this. 
It's okay that your child's going through that. It's okay that you went through those things. I'm not saying that it's right, and I'm not saying that it's easy. But what I am to you and who I am and what I'm capable of doing, my grace is sufficient. It's enough for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And the idea is that God's grace is displayed in the best way when it's manifested not through our prowess, not through our sufficiency, but when it's manifested through our obvious weaknesses. Grace, the grace of God is enough that even when you're hurting and even when you're unsure and even when you're sick and even when you don't have all the things you think you need, God is enough to accomplish amazing things. His grace is sufficient. So Paul had a choice to make. Am I going to submit to what God says? Or am I going to continue to be defined by what I don't have? Or rather be defined by my limitation? Well, Paul submitted. And when I think of the Apostle Paul, I don't think of physical affliction. I think of someone that God used in in an amazing way to perpetuate the gospel of Jesus Christ to write, to author by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so much of the word of God and to propel the work of the gospel, the work of local churches forward in amazing ways. I don't think of weakness. I think of incredible strength. And yet, that wasn't because Paul didn't have limitations. It's because he submitted those limitations to the grace of God and God overcame them all. Our lives will have in one way or another limitations. Maybe it's not a leg, but it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's not a leg, but it's a rebellious child. Maybe it's not a leg, but it's a massive failure. Maybe it's not that sickness, but it's a sickness. Maybe it's not a leg, but it's a broken heart. Maybe it's not a leg, but it's failed spiritual leadership. Maybe it's not a leg, but it's unfulfilled desires that are right before God. Maybe it's not a leg, but it's something that you've longed for and and prayed for and asked God for, and by every estimation, in the observation of the principles and truths of the word of God, it would be a good thing to desire. But God has chosen to allow you to live, to allow you to have life. And, and, and not that it everything, because we got to be careful about this. There are decisions that other people make that can leave us feeling like that, can't they? And, and, and I've had, I've, let me just, I've got to pause here. I just feel like I need to. I, I was trying to help someone recently, and, and they, they read something in a book that said this. Every bad thing that's ever happened in your life, God wanted it to happen. There is a difference between God wanting and God allowing. And it's never the will of God for a husband to be abusive. It's never the will of God for a wife to be unfaithful. It's never the will of God for a child to be rebellious. Those things happen because God allows individuals to make decisions. And those decisions come with heavy ramifications even to those who aren't guilty. Please get this. God allowing it is not God causing it. 
And those kind of statements need to be thrown into your fireplace because the sovereignty of God does not cause people to do bad things that hurt other people. The sovereignty of God allows him to work good even through the worst circumstances. So maybe you're there because of something you did. Maybe you're there because of something someone else did. Maybe you're there just because of something that God allowed into your life. You can't explain it. But you're there. And you look at it. You say in one way or another, I'm there. Small areas, big areas, I'm there. You have a choice to make. You can be defined by that, or you can be defined by the grace of Jesus Christ. What do you mean defined by the grace of Jesus Christ? Being defined by faith in the one who gives grace that is sufficient. Can I talk about Rod for a minute? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I just, I'm going to talk about a few people. You say, man, it, it was that, that journal entry that Tina read. Mm. Yeah, it was moving. Said, I might die from the cancer. I might die from the heart failure. I might die from the diabetes. I might die from the kidney failure. I might die from some other thing that I haven't seen yet that the doctors don't know about. But then he talked about the goodness of God in his life. When Rod came in here, I, I meant to have his cane up here with me, and I'm sorry that I don't. But if you can imagine that cane that he was always walking with that had untold weapons in it. <laughs> like the Swiss, it's like a special ops cane. <laughs> Take people out with that thing. No, I'm serious. If you never had the opportunity to ask him about that cane, was a marvel. <laughs> I didn't look at Rod and think, man, he's defined by that cane. He's defined by his, un, by his unwillingness to let that control how he lives his life. Did it limit certain things? Yeah. But it, did, it, did it limit the influence that God had in his life and through his life? Absolutely not. In fact, in some ways, I believe it increased it. Because you know what it did? You can see this. It helped Rod to realize I'm dependent on him. But in him and following him and being faithful to him, God can do great things. And God did. Through that leather vest wearing, sweatpant wearing, special ops cane. And look, he wore those things because of the difficulty of his life, because of the pain that he was in. It wasn't, it wasn't like he didn't care. It was the best he could do with the physical limitations that he had. But those things did not define him. And, I, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here, but if you ever watched him walk and you ever talked to him, it was literally like he was having to drag himself sometimes. But he wasn't defined by that limitation. He was defined by a willingness to live within the grace of God, by faith in the purpose of God, and that this is what I'm supposed to do, so I'm going to do it even though it's hard. And even though I don't understand how it can be useful, I'm going to trust that God can do greater things with this than I ever believe are possible. And that is how you leave a legacy of grace. I talk about leaving a legacy. You know, what's, you know what's important to me when I die? 
I'm around this a lot. I think about this a lot. You know what's important to me? That my children genuinely know that I love Jesus Christ and that their lives are affected to live for him. I want to live. Look, they're going to know. My kids know better than most. Andrea knows better than anyone, any other human. God knows better than all of us. Knows my limitations and my weaknesses, my failures, my sins. They, they, they know that. My, my sister, she already knew what I am before she moved in with us. And it's, it's not been changed. It's only been confirmed. <laughs> I, get, I, I get it. It's, I, have no, I, I don't have this idea that my children one day are going to bury me. And then, think, and then they're going to think, man, dad was a perfect man. They're not going to think that. But what I do want them to know, I don't want them to think, I want them to know, is that his life was moved and motivated and affected by the grace of God. And he lived by faith. And he left us a definitive legacy to build upon. Not going to be, probably not going to be a Ferrari. Jason. <laughs> we can be something so much better. That's how you leave a legacy of grace. You live by faith. Two things. Look, I'm going to wrap it up. Two things. First thing, do the thing today that you know you're supposed to do. Look, Rod's life wasn't glamorous. I'm supposed to be in church, so I'm going to be at church. Look, Adam Slagle said this. Brother Adam and Ms. Rebecca are traveling, but Brother, Brother Adam said this, and I'm so thankful that someone else said this. And, and not that I wouldn't say it, and, I, and I'm going to say it, but I'm thankful that this came from someone else's mouth, that the testimony of Rod should take away every excuse that us younger men have for the reasons we don't do what we know we're supposed to do. We need to quit talking about how hard it is to be here. We need to quit. And I'm not saying he said all of these things exactly, but this was the spirit of it, that that, that testimony takes away or should take away the excuse that the excuses that we make for not doing the things that we know we're supposed to do as men and as leaders in this church. If we're supposed to be here, we need to be here. If we're supposed to be kind to people, we need to be kind. If we're supposed to be involved, we need to be involved. It's not a glamorous life. You're not going to feel sparkles and unicorns and roses all the time. It's the willingness to do what you know you're supposed to do. And like Thomas, you can take up your basket of loaves and fishes and say, God, what are these? There are so many. That's not your problem. Let Jesus deal with that. Just be faithful to live by grace and to do the thing that's in front of you that you know you're supposed to do. It's, it's not this phenomenal revelation. Rod didn't do anything that made people go, wow, look at him. He did things that were simple in living by faith. I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. Tomorrow I need to do what I know I'm supposed to do. I just need to do it. It's not going to be easy. I'm not always going to want to. There are times I'm going to ask God to make things easier. I'm going to struggle with things. But I need to do on Monday, then on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I need to do with my wife. I need to do with my children. I need to do with our church family. I need to do in my study, do in laying out vision, do in training, do in developing myself, do in improving my habits, do in giving the gospel to the lost, do in my prayer life. I need to do the things I know I'm supposed to do. It's not that it's going to be glamorous. It's not that anybody's going to look at it and say, wow. But that's not the point. That's not grace. 
Grace is not for people to look at me and say, wow. <laughs> Mamas, I know you're tired. But there is grace to do what you're supposed to do tomorrow with your kids. I love seeing these mamas with little ones expecting other little ones. No, you think I'm, no, no, I love it. I love it. Win souls, and if you're married, have children, hallelujah. It's wonderful. I'm, I'm thankful for the life God's added to this church. God adds to this church. But it can be discouraging, can't it? Mamas, you can get tired. You can get overwhelmed. You can be asking yourself, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know how you're going to do it? One day at a time. Today, you just got to do what you're supposed to do. And there's going to be some tears. And then you've got to trust that God's going to give me the grace to go to sleep and get up at 2 in the morning. Get up at 5 in the morning. And he's going to help me do today. And you can't be looking 5 years down the road. You just got to say, Rod didn't live 10 years down the road. He said, today, I can drag myself out of bed and I can go to church. Paul didn't live 20 years down the road. He said, today, I can write this letter. Today, I can say this prayer. Today, I can give this witness. I'm just going to do today what I can do. Think about your Don sitting up here. I'm telling you this was a dream that I didn't want. I didn't want these things for Yelena and her children. But she can tell you when in the immediate aftermath of George dying, I tried to lay out a vision how that if she would live the coming moments by faith, then she would see God do a work in her children that would be beyond human explanation. It has not been glamorous. It has not been easy. It has not been desirable. But because she's been willing to humble herself over and over and over again, and say, God, this is hard. I don't always like this or want this, but I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do today. It wasn't just her kids up here. Now she's bringing neighbor's kids up here. You say, how oh, is some glamorous thing? No, it's not. It's brutal. It's hard. It's not fun. But it's called living by grace. It's going to do it today. I'm going to do today. You know what happens with that? God builds a life. That turns into a testimony that affects people for generations. It's called the legacy of his grace. You have Hebrews 12. Look at it real quick. We'll be done with this. What is chapter 11 known as? What's the nickname? Hall of Faith, chapter of faith. Faith, faith, isn't, faith isn't seeing it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know what you read about in Hebrews 11? Imperfect people going through difficult circumstances, choosing to do the thing, Brother Patrick, that was right in front of them. Now, I don't know how long i got to go through this, and I don't know how long this is going to hurt, and I don't know how hard this is going to get. I just know this is what I'm supposed to do right now, so I'm going to do it. You know what happens? God does amazing things. An ark gets built. A harlot is saved out of Jericho and becomes a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Not glamorous, just I'm going to do that. And that's when we get to chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of of witnesses. Can I ask you a question? What do you think they witnessed to? What do you think they witnessed to? No, I'll, I'll tell you what I think they witnessed to. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I think they witnessed to? To the power of God to work through a life that's lived by faith moment by moment. 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. I may be misquoting some other verses in there. I think I'm... Listen, please, please get it. Can I just... Can I be a commentary for a second? Wherefore, seeing we, are, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every excuse that we make because of limitations that we can't change. And let us run with patience. You know why it says patience? Because it's hard. Because it's tedious. Because it takes time. But if you want to leave a legacy of grace, you've got to live a life of faith. I want to leave a legacy of grace. I do. Look, I'm not trying to sound like like some guy that's about to be buried. I just know if God lets me live another 40 years, it's going to go by like that. I have a daughter who turned 20, and I know before I can wake up fully, my six-year-old is going to be there. Because I remember when she was that age. Man, she texted me this morning and said, hey, Daddy, I know it's going to be a long day. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Man. Man. (laughs) I don't need too much Red Bull after that. That was... A little bit. Thank you, Brother Jacob. But, man, I'm watching my daughter. She's an adult. She's not entering adulthood. She is an adult. I want to leave her something. I can't be a perfect daddy, but I can be a daddy that leaves her a legacy of grace. What God can do even when we're limited. Do you want... Well, man, I, I, know, I know you. Do, you. do you want your children, your grandchildren, to think of your limitations or to think of the grace of God and what he did? You want them to think of your failures or of the grace of God to overcome those failures? You want them to think of the heartache or the grace of God to, for your life to not be defined by the heartache? You want them to think of the sickness or the grace of God to be victorious even through the sickness? What you want? I want a legacy of grace. I wouldn't mind leaving him a Ferrari. It's not happening. I want a legacy of grace. So how do I leave a legacy of grace? Live today by faith. Let's live by faith today. I can't control everything that happens, but I can control living by faith, doing the thing today that I know I'm supposed to do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I love examples like Terry Fox. I love examples like Rod Stevens. I love examples like the Apostle Paul. Miss Nicole is going to begin to play. I just want to ask you to be responsive to the Lord. If God has spoken to your heart,
with, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would there be anyone who would say, some are already coming to the altar, and that's fine. If you, if you know God's dealing with you, come. Don't wait. Just, just get up and come. Would there be anyone who would say, I, I have these limitations. Some are self-inflicted. Some are other-inflicted. Some there just, there seems to be no explanation for it. Just God's allowed it. And, and I am struggling but I don't want my life to be defined by the limitation. I want my life to be defined by the grace of God. And I'm struggling, but I want God to help me. I want to be defined by the grace of God. And I need his help to live by faith. And I've got areas where I'm struggling. I need God's help. Would you pray for me? Would there be anyone who would raise their hand and say, that's me. I've got him. I've, yep, I see him. I see him. God bless you. Several have already come. Let's just stand. Brother Nate, please begin to sing. You respond to the Lord if God has spoken to your heart.